podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Serie Chronicles is a Media Chronicles production. Welcome to the Serie Chronicles Q&A episode. I'm back, Mina Rizuki, and of course, I'm joined by Nikki Bandini as we go through the mailbag and try to answer your questions. Now, Noel, who, are, who is a Chronicles Tifosi Patreon member, um, had submitted a question a few weeks ago about all the different uh, teams. Well, he said the top three teams, which are Juventus, Milan, Inter. Not currently the top three teams in the, in the league because Juve is not in it but about what they needed to do and the steps forward that they can take in order to be competitive. Now, we obviously did that in three separate versions and, you know, three separate teams over three separate weeks. And we had a nice response from Noel who said he absolutely loved the personalized miniseries and that he had been away and gotten married. So congratulations to you, Noel. Um, and that he wouldn't, <laughs> and I quote, he wouldn't mind one on Napoli, but I wouldn't, com- I wouldn't complain, although I don't know that they'll ever seriously compete in Europe. Certainly not under current ownership. <laughs> Savage. Savage from Noel. Savage. Not too far from what maybe we were saying. Um, <laughs> but, um, oh, I don't know. I can. I think they can compete in Europe, certainly when they had it. Anyway, we shan't go into it. But we, what we did think is that it would be worth mentioning them and doing a little bit of time spending on them and what they can do as their team trying to play the role of a sporting director for Napoli as to what we think should happen not that I think that it's going to do much for their um uh you know mental fortitude issues but let's talk about that Nikki what do you think like let's look at Napoli's side and which are the members that you think need to sort of go away and, and find replacements in order that we can have a little bit more of a competitive Napoli side. Well, this was the question, wasn't it? The original question was, which players from the starting 11s of these teams do you think can stay and be part of a team that would compete seriously compete in Europe? So I guess as with all the other teams, I'm inclined to start at the back with David yep. Aspina as a goalkeeper or Alex Moret. I really want to believe that Alex Moret could be good enough because he's an Italian goalkeeper who's been sort of one of the sort of considered one of the promising young Italian goalkeepers for a little while. He's actually now 25, so he's not that young. Um, but he's young enough for a goalkeeper. Obviously, your goalkeeping careers tend to go later than, than outfield players. We are recording this, though, after the weekend when he just had an absolute horror show against Empoli, and it's not making it easy for me to look into myself and go like goalkeeper good enough you know because actually the question we were asking ourselves was should he have been starting that game against Zempoli might they have won that game against Zempoli if David Espina had started and if you're asking me is David Espina good enough to start for a team that wants to win the Champions League no he isn't so I think unfortunately goalkeeper probably not good enough for me I don't know if you agree with that Mina You know what? I'm always like trying really hard to curb my instincts to be horribly savage. Yeah. But I just don't feel like it this week. Like this week, I just kind of feel like, you know, I I, I just kind of want to be myself. And I'm sorry. You know, I I know I'm going to get lots of criticism. But I do. I just don't want to be so guarded. But come on, neither of them. Like they're just not people (laughs) you take to Europe, you know? 
Like, I, honestly, barring Mania, all of the top four teams, if we're talking about Juve, you know, um, Napoli, Inter, Milan, really, it's only Mania who's worth, you know, worth it. And mm-hmm. as a goalkeeper, is going to Europe. The rest, I mean, yeah, Handanovic is very good. Like, I'm not going to, but he's getting older. And I'm not even sure how I feel about Onana yet. So let's see. But the rest, mm-hmm. no, I mean- certainly not the two for Napoli. Certainly not, no. And the question is seriously compete, right? So we are talking about players that we think you could take and, and, and go all the way with. So definitely, um, I think we're in, in agreement on that. Go to the back four. Um, I guess um, there's been some sort of rotation, but I guess if I was going to say the starting back four for Napoli in my head, it is Di Lorenzo at right back, Romani and Koulibaly at centre back, Mario Rui at left back. Mario Rui, of course, has played for them plenty of times in the Champions League. So has Koulibaly. I feel fairly unequivocal in my mind that Koulibaly, yes, you could uh, keep him and, and seriously compete in Europe. I think he's he's good enough. I think nobody else is clear in making that grade for me. The one who I want to say could make the grade. Well, I think in a good enough team, you might not notice it, Romani. I think in a good enough team, you might think, yeah, that's fine. And I think in a good enough team, maybe I would think the same about Di Lorenzo. I want to say Di Lorenzo is a yes. Um, and I feel like we did... I can't remember what we said about Calabria. Oh, Because I'm, I'm, I'm trying to put him, like, trying to rank him next to Calabria and how I feel. I think you said yes to Calabria, Mina. And I think I was a bit more on the fence. And I think, you know, I, I think we're still a step back from Calabria, though, aren't we? So probably it's just Kudabali for me. It's probably, in the back of it's probably just Kudabali. Well, that's interesting. So you wouldn't keep Rahmani? I think Rahmani, as I said before, if the rest of the team was good enough, I think he could be. And he just works well with Koulibaly because I think Koulibaly is yeah. a difficult player to play next to. And I feel like there's been, you know, you've put him next to good defenders. Mm. Manolas, for example, was really good at Roma, right? And you felt like, you know, it was a really strong defender to put next to him and this was going to be a marvellous defensive partnership, but it didn't really work out. Mm. I think with Koulibaly, you need a specific character. And I think Albiol was the perfect character to put alongside him. And Rahmani, since Albiol has been, for me, the best choice. And it is very much a duo, right? It's a defensive partnership and they've got to really understand each other and work with each other. And I do think they too, they work. But I agree with you. He's not a defender that I sit there and thinking, wow, which team is lucky enough to have him in the back, you know? And again, when we are talking about this, we're trying to compare like, you know, when we're talking about goalkeepers, we're comparing like Edison and Allison and all black and, you know, like De Gea and all of the stuff to like Murray. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> It's not, For I'm sure. not like, that's, we're talking about, this is the level, right? And when we're talking about defense, we're talking about Van Dyke. We're talking about, you know, David Alaba and, and these types of players and we're comparing. So it's not, by the way, my ability to pronounce game names, which is why I always laugh at myself, is just hideous sometimes, especially when I start getting tired. I just stop knowing how to say words anyway. <laughs> so yes, Alex Murray, David Ospina, they're good, but they're not good enough, I think, to really seriously compete in Europe. And I agree with you on the defence. Um, probably Koulibaly is the only one I'd save. Even though De Lorenzo is actually really important to to the way they play their football. But mm. overall, I think this team needs something from a mental point of view. So I'd probably change most of it. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I was just like, literally, as you're talking, I mean, they're trying to like go through like the back fours of the teams that are still in, in the Champions League and go, well, you know, this is the semi-final. These teams are seriously competing in Europe. Like, can I can I justify Romani against what I'm looking at here? And I mean, I think that the sort of clear out that you have got for saying yes to Romani for me is the fact that, of course, Raul Albiol is 
still playing for these teams. He plays it yeah. year and, I, and, I, and he's in the semi-finals. Yeah, and I think I do like Romani if I'm picking between those two. Certainly for sort of like thinking more than a year ahead because Romani's not not young anymore. So yeah, I think Romani is 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 on the borderline for me. And Kulabali's had his ups and downs. I don't think he would mm. be of the teams in the semi-final. I don't think you look at him and go, he's the number one defender in that group. But I think he absolutely yeah. belongs in that group. I think he's he's good enough for sure. So I think he's he's a clear-cut case for me. If we move on to the midfield, I mean, again, things get a bit more blurry recently with Napoli because they've they've changed their form, their, their starting eleven plenty. Well, let's consider Lobotka, Demi, and Anguissa. I feel like that's that's one role, and then you've got Fabian Ruiz and Zielinski. You know? Okay, yeah, all right, I'm okay with that as a as a as a way of seeing them. So you said Lobotka, Demi, and Anguissa. Mm-hmm. It's very hard because. Because a player can be really good, but you don't know whether they'd be really good against, like, you know, your, you know, your prime time Chelsea's and your prime time cities and Liverpool's and Real Madrid's, right? You're like, this mm. is when you're thinking of seriously competing. Because I really like Lobotka. I actually like all of them, to be honest with you. I really like Angus and I really like Demi, even though I don't know why Demi's not being played a lot. Um, he's mm. Demi's the one that I would take out the first one, <laughs> if I'm really honest with you. I feel like Lobotka's grown and he's somebody who at least seems, him and Anguissa at least seem to me like they know how to fight and suffer a little bit more than the rest of the team. I would have them and maybe only have them as squad players, but none of them would make my first team if I was building this team from scratch and I was choosing the best players to compete. But I would certainly have them as squad players. And Anguissa probably deserves more than that because he's been tremendous this season. Actually, both of them have. They've both been really tremendous. So I feel like this is quite harsh to say that, you know. I think both of them are good enough to win the league title and, and they should be given a chance to show what they can do in Europe. So I wouldn't send them away, maybe only Demi. But I'm not entirely sure where if I'm thinking of a of a top-notch midfield, I think it includes them. But then again, there's a lot of players who play top-notch in, in big teams, like all of Manchester United, all of PSGs, frankly speaking, and take out Verratti. Mm-hmm. They're all not great. So maybe Lobotka and actually Angrisa are better than some of those as well. I do think it's it's a sort of slightly vexing question, isn't it? Because I think these are two players who are both at a stage in their careers where you sort of want to see them have the chance to play those games in Europe? Yeah, they should be. And I know the book has played, played European games before, but I think he's actually really matured to a point in his career where this is the best football he's played in his career. And we'll see next season how that holds up in the Champions League, but it's kind of hard to draw that bar without having seen it. And Grisa, to me, is, is a total wild card because I think he's been brilliant this season. And I keep harping on the same point every time I talk about him because it remains true. He's just so unusual as a central midfielder because he dribbles. That's not something that I think is very sort of, he's not a molded midfielder that I think is very common in the teams that are currently prevalent at the top of the European game. I think there's so much the European game has gone down a particular sort of model and style and you are used to seeing midfielders in that role who are either just there to hold the line win the tackles and quick, simple sideways passes, let the creative players alongside you do their work, or they're a proper energy star, they're sitting deep in there and they're looking for those sort of more orchestra conducting plays. And Guisa, yes, he, he, he's in the, the deeper bank in your midfield, but he's a dribbler. Like he wants to get on the ball in those deep positions and he wants to carry it forward for you. And I, I can't think of a parallel for him in those top teams 
in Europe. But I really want to see how he would do. And a little bit of me does believe that, yeah, actually, he could he deserves be. It. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not trying to position him here as a messy or something like that. He's not. He's he's not in that category at all. But he's he's an interesting, different footballer. And I think in this case, I actually think he's different in a way that could be very effective in Europe because because there aren't many players like him. And I mm. think that sometimes being different is really valuable. Um. So for me, he's in. For me, he's in a team that could go somewhere in Europe. And Lubotka, I will have on my sort of borderline with a let's let, let's see it next season and see how we feel about it. And Demi's out. Yeah, and Demi, I think is is unfortunately. I think he's he's not like a maybe in your twenty uh, three man squad for the Champions League he could have a role in there somewhere, but he's not in the starting eleven of a, of a team competing for the the Champions League. I don't think for me. Uh, okay, what what do you think about Fabian Luiz? I'm so in two minds about this player. Because now we're moving into like the next sort of part of their midfield, which I guess is Ruiz and, and Jelinski, really, who mm-hmm. are the, the, the ones who maybe are, are moving more into the Trecartista role, although they've also both played in a traditional central midfield role at times as well. Yeah. I, I think I'm in two minds about both of them, Mina. Like if you'd asked me about Jelinski in November or December, I would have made such a like strong, I think almost like up on my sort of pedestal high horse whatever it is like everyone stop and listen to me you're not appreciating Chilinski enough kind of position that's how I felt about him earlier this season and he's just been so disappointing for such a while now for Napoli but then I go and see him play for Poland and he's good again yeah that exactly. I, I just don't know what to think like I think Chilinski probably is good enough to play for that sort of team but you have to use him right Ruiz I'm a bit different on I think he's Clearly very, very talented, but I, I don't think I've ever felt confident in him the way that I feel have felt confident about Shadinsky before now. So I I think I I've never got to the point with him where I trust him. Whereas Shadinsky I got to the point with him where I did trust him and now I'm losing that trust. Okay. Here's the thing, yeah. I'm I've realized that in my philosophy of football that I don't seem to like certain players which are like mesonosal. Uh, uh-huh. Paolo Dybala. Um, Raphael Leal really bothers me sometimes. Oh, I love Leal. Vinicius Jr. too. Although the second half of, of Milan and the UK, Raphael Leal has also moments that thrill me. So I have to take him out. But because there's a lot of that, him and Vinicius Jr., that do bother me sometimes in the, fence, in the end product. But I'm somebody who prefers almost... Let me put it this way. I prefer a Mario Mandzukic to a, a Dybala. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? I feel like that's the perfect way to put it because it's like a, a hardworking player who perhaps has a lot more techn- le- a less technical quality, but more determination to cover ground and, and, and help the team than I care about the ones that make those special moments. I'm not into it as much. And Fabian Ruiz for me is a guy of special moments, but I don't see the other side of his football. And for me, I feel like that makes it much harder to win the matches that you need to win and to survive at the highest level against people that will press and harry and bully you to death. I don't know. With Fabian Ruiz, there's been all this, Barcelona are after him, Real Madrid are after him, everybody wants him. No one's ever made an offer. 
So mm-hmm. is that true? Are these teams actually after him? Is he just a lot of technical flair? But sometimes when the going gets tough, is he a guy you're going to depend on? Because I do depend on Lobotka and Anguissa when the going gets tough. I do depend on Osman, you know. I depend on Koulibaly. I don't know if I... And I and I even think Janinski can turn into a warrior when you ask him to, you know. I feel less confident. Yeah, I, I, I really agree with you about Janinski. So I don't know. I'm I'm never going to vote for like a Dybala in my team. I'm never really going to vote for a Fabian Ruiz in my team. I'm I like like this really nice Mesut Ozil, beautiful football. I'd rather have Angel Di Maria, and that was the choice that Ancelotti made. You know, and for me, it's it's I'd rather uh, Ruiz can't like goes and and it's filled by somebody that's better at, at the two phases of the game rather than being much better in one side of it than the other. Yeah, I agree with that. I think yeah, Fabian Ruiz. Technically, it's all there, but I, I don't believe in it, and and I think that's that's an issue. Um, it's hard not to be coloured in all of this by where we are in the season. Napoli yeah. have just imploded in such a way as to make you not want to believe in these players, and that's unfortunately going to colour, I think, some of my assessments as well. Oh, now it gets interesting. <laughs> and now it does get interesting, doesn't it? Because I think sort of following neatly on from what I just said. Lorenzo Insigne absolutely should, now let me finish this before you go back my head off, should, when I say should, I don't mean as in I think he should be in this group. I mean, Lorenzo Insigne is talented enough and has been good enough before in his career that he, and he isn't old, that he should be in this category. He should be, has been one of the best players in Italy for a few years. Last season's Insigne, I say yes could play for a team that can compete for the Champions League. But this season's Insigne, I don't know who he is. And it's such a disappointment to me because he's cost him not being who he should be, has cost Italy a World Cup potentially. I mean, not on his own. Lots of things have, but the fact that Italy didn't have that player certainly hurt. And I think it's in the most tragic way denied Napoli the chance to compete for this Scudetto as as far as they should. And look, let's acknowledge that we're placing a higher bar on him than some other players, right? He scored 10 goals this season. He's got seven assists. We're not talking about someone who's done nothing this season. But I think that my bar for Insigne is higher probably than any other player in this squad outside of Osimhen. Maybe Koulibaly's close to him, but I think my bar of the player that I think Lorenzo Insigne has been and the player he can be is really high. I think he's capable of being, has been in his career, at least in flashes, a world-class player. But this season has been so fragile, has taken so many of those goals from penalties, has disappointed so often in the times when you most want him to be the guy. It's been so rare that we've seen, or Tirajira, that we've seen that, that trademark goal of his that, that makes you excited. He's not, he's not for me. He's not for me in this. Okay, I'm just going to, because I feel like we've, we're now on 21 minutes on this match. So I'm going to go for just take out Politano, take out Elmas, <laughs> not having any of these people on my team, Batania, all of those, I just don't think. Yeah, those are easy for. decisions. Yeah. yeah. Um, so then what you're left with is Osman, Dries Mertens, and Lorenzo Insigne. I'd have all three stay. And I know that sounds okay. ridiculous considering how mean I am about Insignia. I judge Insignia much more on his personality than I think of his capability to play the game. And I think that somehow 
there's a part of me that feels like maybe it is surrounding it now because it just seems like there's so many of those characters there sometimes you know I I do I loved him for Italy a lot of the time it where his annoyance comes for me is when he's like arguing with Ancelotti or arguing with like Gattuso or arguing with it's just this pettiness that he has this petulance that he has that drives me insane and I judge that and I ask a lot of him because he is the captain and so maybe if he just wasn't captain and wasn't so closely always referred to as the son of Napoli, then maybe I wouldn't be so harsh on him if he was just any other player. Because on a technical level, on an inte- intelligence level, he is remarkable on his day. I don't think he has the character of a winner. And that is where the problem is. And, and that's where very much I see the whole of Napoli you don't have the characters of winners. And that's either... I don't know whether it's the chicken or the egg. I don't know whether the club makes them that way or they are that way and have infected the club into that. I don't know, you know. But him, Dries Mertens, Osserman, I think is spectacular. He is one of my, just just, just spectacular. Um, and I, I don't want to see him linked to just any play, any place. If he is going to leave Napoli, then I really, really hope it's for something like Liverpool or Real Madrid and not for anything less than that. Any Champions League team would be happy to have him in, in their squad. He's 30, at 34 years old, not your starting level. I mean, because actually, if you look at his minutes on the pitch to, to contributions this season, it's it's pretty flipping solid. I think he's nine goals, but he's only played at about a thousand minutes, so it's not much more than a, a goal every 90 minutes. So pretty um, steady contribution from a player who still has lots to offer. Giancarlo in Bristol wrote in to ask. Where have all the good Italian defenders gone? There seem to be no real replacements for Bonucci and Chiellini. Mina, find me the good Italian defenders. Where are they? There's Bastoni. (laughs) Uh, We tried with Rugani. We sent him out to France. We've given him to Cagliari. We just can't do anything with this kid. Romagnoli never really seemed to be the guy that we thought was going to take the world by storm, you know? I mean, he's had injury issues. I don't know where all the good defenders are, but I will tell you something. I, I did have this conversation once with uh, with somebody who who was very accustomed to training under-21 teams, uh, Devis Manja, actually. And he said at the time that, you know, things like that are very cyclical, you know. So what you'll have is a great generation that everyone wants to grow up to be this wonderful defender because that was what Italy produced at the time. And it continued to produce these wonderful defenders because they teach each other. And then you just get more and more, you know, you've got Varese and then Maldini and then, and then like, you know, Nesta sort of, even if they're foreigners like Thiago Silva, a lot of what he learned came from Nesta and it was just this constant like parting wisdom to the next generation. And yeah, right now it just seems like they're not defenders, but what we do have is a lot of midfielders, which is actually unusual because there came a point in time in Italy's history where there wasn't very many great midfielders. There was a great trequartista, but it was based on great defenses and, you know, that perfect number 10 or a perfect number nine and pretty much everything else in between wasn't astonishing to watch, you know. Um, but now what we do have is I don't know which midfielder I would pick, frankly speaking, if you ask me to, because I, I look at them and I think I love, but I, I love Sandro Tonali. I I really do love Manuel Locatelli. I love Verratti. I come and go with, but you know what I mean? I love him as well, you know. And then there's Pessina that I think can do such a job for you if he's trained properly or, you know, he's so coachable, so, you know, so bright. And there is more and more, by the way, because Zaniolo. And then, you you know, you think to yourself, like, is he part, he could be in your midfield or 
or is he going to play further forward? Or and then if you look at that even further forward, there's Pellegrini. There's it just keeps growing. There are just so many players who are so good at that side of the pitch in the middle of the pitch, whether it's in a trequartista role or a central midfield role. And that is right now what Italy is creating a lot of. Unfortunately, no number nines, so <laughs> not enough anyway. But there are kids right now that are coming through. I mean, Bastoni is great. You've got Federico Gatti, who has joined Juventus from Frosinone. Right now, he's being considered as the best defender in Serie B. Um, incidentally, there is one to four is the ratio of under-21 players, Italian under-21 players in Serie B. So Serie B is very much the place to develop these young kids. But it is cyclical. And right now, we do have a problem in the top half and the bottom half on the pitch. You know, we're creating great midfielders, but not much. Um, in the areas that used to usually create a lot in Italy. It is just kind of, you know, what you grow up listening to. Gatti, incidentally, was a midfielder and converted into a tecartista and converted into a defender. So, listen, kids can change all the time and they their roles change as well. So I'm not down and out yet. We have Bastoni. I'm kind of pinning all my hopes on him. I don't know who's going to join him next to him, but... Um, <laughs> I'm I'm always confident that there'll be kids out there. The question implies centre backs, right? Because actually, like, um, the question says good Italian defenders, and and for instance, you know, we could talk about the fact that Zanori is is getting games at, at Napoli, and, and and we were just talking about him before we started this podcast yeah. with Menina, and we have mixed feelings about him because he's he's struggled, I think, in some games. But isn't this what you need to do as as a young footballer? Is to get thrown into those games and to and to sink or swim and and not everyone swims right away. Sometimes you you take a bit of time and you adjust to a new level and, and you find your feet. So maybe we'll be thinking in in not too long about Zanoli as as a sort of coming defender in Italian football. Likewise, I think um, Destiny Udoji at uh, Udinese who plays left wing back. He's uh, come up through the Italian youth system, um, Italian youth uh, national teams even and. Um, I think he's done some really good stuff at times this week, this season. Likewise, you know, you could look at a team like Cagliari who've got a few young Italian centre-backs that they've been giving game time to. Matteo Lovato, Giorgio Attare. Lovato is very good. Yeah. And it's really hard to draw sweeping conclusions about centre-backs, I think, when they're playing on teams that aren't good, right? So those two players are players who... I've done well, again, for the Italian national youth teams. And now they're playing in Serie A on a team that is not protecting them, right? So they are playing on a team that does not make life easy for centre-back. I mean, it's, it's a lot easier to not concede goals if your midfield is holding the ball for 60% of the game, if your team plays mostly in the opponent's half. When you play your whole game camped in your half, getting battered, it's hard to look brilliant centre-back. But but those those players are are getting a lot of, of time and playing opportunity together. And I think actually, you know, even um, Bonucci, if you, you go back to, to when he sort of started out, really like for a lot of his career, Bonucci was considered not a very good defender. <laughs> yeah. In particular, he was considered someone who had some distribution that was quite, that was a high quality. And for him, in his personal story, if you go read through the Bonucci sort of interviews and 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 things he's, he's written and talked about it came down to this meeting with this extraordinary individual who was basically a personal coach who would take him into a basement and like tell him he was a soldier and punch him in the stomach and at some point he hardened into something more more serious and I mean we laugh at it but in the end like everyone is wired differently and clearly for him this was something formative was to have a mental coach who who got his head right 
you, you don't know with young players at what point they're either going to take that step forward or not. We could talk about so many Italian footballers, it- Italian defenders specifically, who we thought were going to get destined for bigger things, whether it was Rugani, whether it was Ranocchio, whether it was Romagnoli, who's been a bit of a disappointment at Milan. So sometimes it's not linear. The ones who you think look brilliant when they're in their early 20s aren't necessarily the ones who you think the same about when they're in their late 20s. But I agree, it feels that there's, there's a bit of a gap at the moment. But who knows, maybe one of those names I just mentioned again from, from Cagliari, whether it's Altaro or Lovato, in two years' time will be playing at a better club and, and making us all go, actually, you know what, they're, they're developing into something pretty good. But I do want to sort of mention something as then like it is like a lot of people are like talking about play the kids, play the kids when you have absences. It's very delicate to play these kids because you don't want them to have a very bad experience and they're left exposed and that can have a detrimental effect on them on a psychological level. Absolutely. And so this really bothers me sometimes when people are like, oh, my God, like, look, like he's like Allegri's playing, for example, um, I don't know who, like Danilo in his a makeshift midfield, like throw in Miretti or throw in whoever you can. No, because if they're exposed and you're 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 letting this guy play his first game and he is in a game now where he's totally exposed and doesn't feel confident and he's got Rabio next to him who isn't the most tactically intelligent guy, you know, and, and he's mm-hmm. not surrounded by people that can secure him. That can have an effect on you. You have to be, it's very delicate to raise youth. I mean, it is really it's the most important job i think it's much more important than than actually putting some superstars on the pitch and asking them to play a game you know actually playing youth stars and developing that is much harder and so it's different when Giorgio canini was growing up when there was fabio canovaro and there was all types of like brilliant brilliance at the back you know when he was developing and learning and there was fabio capello at juventus before that and he was watching all of these things happen and then and then obviously came into juventus and started training under different coaches you have to be lucky on who your coach is it's much easier for Bastoni when it was Conte and he was next to Scrinia and De Vrij and that way you know whatever mistakes he made could be covered up or whatever it is you know you have to put them into the right circumstances and you also then have to face the tough challenges the big games and the Champions League because you have to they have to be exposed to tougher environments as they grow up if they're only ever facing like this is what worries me about Berardi when he's only ever facing sort of big Serie A teams is he going to be prepared on a mental level when the going gets really tough? I mean, listen, Jorginho has been exposed to the toughest things. And you know what? He still missed the penalties. We're not saying that that's the way it definitely goes. But generally speaking, you know, back in the day, you why, why we produced great defenders was Italy was based on tight defenses and then a quick counterattack. Times have changed and we're trying to appeal to a more technical style of play. So we're creating more midfielders. Even Mattia Gabbia, for example, was a central midfielder and then became like a, a centre back, you know. Um, and maybe he'll take off eventually as well when Milan are not fighting fire and can de- depend and can devote a little bit more time to developing his ability, you know. But it is about that time. It is about having that time to develop and and or playing in a system that suits your personal skill or having the players next to you that cannot leave you exposed at the back. So if you are young, you need a good setup because that's going to help you grow much quicker than it's just throw them on because there is a bunch of absences. I really disagree with that. Just put it one and put it out there. Serie Chronicles is excited to partner with Kalido Media, an Australian digital media agency specialising in website design and development and digital marketing. 
the Kalido Media team has a diverse range of digital skills, including helping our podcast by managing its social media accounts and editing videos for YouTube. Whether you're looking to enhance your website to attract new business or find an audience via social media marketing to generate leads and sales, Kalido Media will work with you to develop a customized digital strategy for your business. They've had a lot of success in generating leads and driving online traffic for various types of businesses, including home builders, renovators, and kitchen cabinetry professionals, commercial cleaning, and even tennis coaches. So if you're looking to attract new eyeballs to your business to generate leads and drive sales, visit kalidomedia.com.au to get in touch with the team to discuss a strategy to fire up your business, connect with your ideal audience, and communicate your message. Fire up, connect, and communicate with Kalido Media. See the link in the show notes. And finally, we get to the last uh, question from Miss Hack, who's a Chronicles to Fuzzy Patreon member. Hi, Miss Hack. Hello, guys. Great episodes and mini pods. I'm sorry it's going to be a UV related question again, but can't hide my gobbiness. I wanted to ask you guys, in your opinions, with the outgoing departure of Dybala and Bernamessi, as I've called him this year, <laughs> and in case you didn't get that, Bernamessi, anyway, um, bringing in potentially Raspadori and Di Maria, would it be an upgrade for UV Strike Force or not? Also, is a potential a possible Pogba return worth the money. What do you think, Nikki? Miss D. Maria's story is interesting, isn't it, Mia? Because that's heating up at the moment. That's seeming like it's it could really be on the cards. Um, D. Maria, which, look, he's a, a a Champions League caliber, high caliber player. Whether or not he's what they need the most, I'm not sure. But when you sort of think about... The, what do you think they need the most? I'm just still more convinced that they've got enough control in midfield like I I, I I just still want them to find your regista to be honest with you Mina like that's what I think I really want to see is is someone who can who can and maybe Di Maria will tend that way as he gets uh, later in his career and 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 that will be a, a direction he moves in we've seen that before from Frequartista that end up moving backwards but look I mean do I think that the idea of Di Maria and Federico Chiesa and Dusan Vlavic sounds pretty good yeah especially if, if Debata's moved on I think you've got three players there who can really sort of influence and define and decide games. Raspadori is interesting. And I feel like I'm just not as high on Raspadori as some other people are, if I'm being honest. And I think maybe that's my blind spot because the number of people who I really respect their opinions disagree with me. And I think maybe I'm uh, judging him too harshly. Maybe I'm seeing sort of too much of the surface level. I think I, I still worry about him that... Physically, he gets bullied out of games sometimes. I think that maybe it's, again, maybe it's my own biases that I am oversimplifying when I say that. But I just think that sometimes when I, in the games where, where I don't see him, I feel like I really don't see him. I'm not sure that Juventus want to move from a player like Dybala, who can be like that, to a player who would be the same. Perhaps mm. I'm, I'm being unfair. And certainly he, more than Dybala, has years on his side he's a young player and, and as i always say people develop and get better and we shouldn't hold footballers in our heads as these static players who are at one level and stay there forever do i think he's got more upside than bernadeski yes and i i really like bernadeski and i hope he finds a better spot to be because i think for the national team he reminds us that he can do things actually he's not actually 
and Leo Messi, but he's he's got some qualities to him. Yeah, I, I think it would be an upgrade is the short answer to the question. I think both those players are are, are good players. I think that Dybala and Bernadeschi are not contributing all that or certainly as much as they would like them to at, at Juventus. And Dimani is something quite different, isn't he, as well, in, in the way that he plays the game. I think he gives them that. To some extent, I think what he gives you is that, well, he gives you so much more than this, but I think one thing that he gives you is that feeling of, you know what, we might just get a goal from outside the box. And actually, I think sometimes that's flipping valuable. Mm, yeah. I, I don't know how I feel about Espadori, because there are moments I watch him and I think he's marvellous. And there's other times I watch him and I'm scared. You know, I'm scared because, again, we're talking about, you know, well, one of the first questions we answered in this pod when we were doing this mini series is which players do you need to really seriously compete in Europe? And they don't all need to be mm-hmm. superstars because, you know, obviously PSG did that and it didn't work either. But it does have to be very, very hardworking teams. Usually they get far, like Villarreal this season. Raspadori is hardworking, but he's also, to me, he, you know, he's not the type of player I typically lean towards in general. I'm not into like players that have that perfect technical skill. But he isn't just that. He's more than that. I just don't know whether I think he just needs a little bit more time in Sassuolo, I feel, before he makes a step up. Because I do think that Juventus can be a psychological madness for some players. And I and I don't feel like you should move there until you're ready to move there to face like the madness of it. I think there are other sides like right now, like Milan, that are much more welcoming to to players that are developing. But I, I feel like the, the scrutiny on Juventus is not great for players. Like, I don't think it was great for Dybala. And Milan was once upon a time that way too, like with Pato and with others. There's just too much on it. So I don't know if it's the right time. I would prefer to wait a little bit longer before Aspadori comes. As for Angel Di Maria, it would be my dream choice, to be honest with you. I think it's a perfect replacement. I'm not somebody who's always about all the kids. I think a nice, healthy mixture is important. You need the kids and you need the pace and the, and the, and the, the excitement as well as the intensity and aggression that you get with kids. But I also think you need your Perisic and your Brozovic's as well. For me, he's somebody who can play in new midfield and he's someone who can play out on the wing. Um, I think he can do a lot because he's very talented. He gets a, a lot a lot of criticism for being a flair player because he's a PSG, but obviously you're not watching PSG very often if you think that's what he is because he's actually one of the hardest working players. He won MVP of the Champions League when they won the Decima at Real Madrid. Obviously at PSG, he plays more as a winger and he's been fantastic with the amounts of ground, with the ground that he covers, with the hard work he dedicates. And actually, when it came up to Carlo Angelotti to decide which one he had to sell between Ozil and Di Maria, he chose to sell Ozil because he thought Di Maria would cover more ground and more adaptable to different positions. Now, he needs to be able to see Juventus as a place he genuinely wants to make a difference. And if he comes in and doesn't treat it as that, then that worries me. So it's also about where he is on a mental level, because if he's willing to give everything, he certainly has the technical skill and the and the ability to do that. It's just about whether or not what he is thinking of Juventus right now in his career. So where is he at this point? But for me, he seems to be a guy with a chip on his shoulder that wants to prove he's worth it. Um, And he is worth it, frankly speaking. I would have played him rather than playing Mbappe, Di Maria, and I'm sorry, Mbappe, Neymar, and Messi. It's too much. A hard worker in Di Maria would have been better to provide balance but each to their own, and obviously they have different requirements over at PSG. 
So I love that to happen. As for Bad Nemesi, I'm sad it didn't work out. I really do like him still as a player. Um, I don't know what it is about Benedeski, but I, I always get really upset when people criticize him. But I do hope he finds somewhere that will let him live out to his potential because I, do, I still do think he's very, very good. Maybe it didn't work out for Juventus, but it's a bit like Dybala. They're both really good players. Maybe Juve's just not in the right environment for them. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think in absolute terms, I think Dybala has got more talent than Bernadeschi, but I think they're both players who have something to contribute. And I think that, like you, I, I think I hope they find better spots for themselves. That's that's us done for this um, Q and A. We really hope you guys enjoyed listening to it. Uh, this is the last Q and A episode for the time being, um, as we talked about at the start of this week's main episode. Uh, we are probably going to be scaling back for the last few weeks of the season in the number of episodes we make each week, just because uh, we're working out how to fund this show and keep it going. Moving forward, if you think you've got something to say or you might know some suggestions for helping on the funding front, then we um, do get in touch. We have got a sponsors page set up to talk to potential sponsors. In the meantime, please do check out our website at celiacronicles.com. Click the Chronicles to Fozy button to join our Patreon community where you'll get access to exclusive episodes and bonus content. Or if you can support the show with a one-time tip, you can find a button on the website to take you there as well. Please find both of us on Twitter at Nikki Bandini, at Mini Rizuki. Follow Celia Chronicles on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. All of the socials, except TikTok. We're not on TikTok yet, but you know, well, I'll say watch this space, but not right now. Yeah, thank you guys. Thank you everyone who's who's listened to the, the Q and A podcast for for listening and downloading and supporting. We are. Not just crossing our fingers, but also working as hard as we can to try to make sure we can bring it back in the future. But this is going to be the last one for the time being. I do fighting talk it's all about my family (laughs) and then my dad listened to one of them and I was talking about how the DHL man for the longest time thought my like my dad was my father was my um, husband yeah (laughs) hang on how old is your dad is your dad really old he's really old they just thought I was like somebody who just shopped a lot Oh my god! Because I deliver all my packages to him, and then I go over. So sometimes, like I've opened the door for him, so he thinks we're together. <laughs> and then my mom opened the door, and he's like, "Who are you?" <laughs> She's like, "What?" She's like, "Um, it's my house." Yeah. And he goes, "Wait, where's the young one?" She goes, "Oh, my daughter." And she goes, "So is the man your husband?" <laughs> She's like, "Yes." <laughs> Oh, <laughs> yeah, what a question. He, he was so fascinated by our whole setup. <laughs> like, it was so crazy. <laughs> I was like, yeah, like, yeah, they're my parents. And I go over and I pick off all the packages that I deliver to them because they're always at home and I'm not. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sports Social Podcast Network. <laughs>